If you believe He is a good God, come on. If He's been good in your life, if He's been good in your life from the day you were born to the fact that He's given you oxygen to breathe in this very moment, that you live in a country where you are free to worship God in spirit and in truth. Come on, church. We serve a good, a great, and an awesome, awesome God. Woo! Oh, my Lord. I'm around some people who know about the goodness of God. Everybody shout to the Lord. Say, praise you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we praise you, we exalt you high above all things. God, we thank you that we can come into this place unencumbered and that we can experience the freedom of the Lord. Father, we thank you that we can gather one people, oh God, regardless of where we came from, regardless of what side of the tracks we grew up on, regardless of our education or pedigree, regardless of our socioeconomic level, regardless of our skin color. We are all kindred by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that we can be a church that is in love with you, in love with one another. Would you pour out your Holy Spirit upon us today? Lord Jesus, thank you that you told us before you ascended back to heaven after you died on a cross for us. You said, I will not leave you or forsake you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you left us your word, God. As we lean into it and we crack it open and we study it. Oh God, will we be reminded that we're not here to gather around the thoughts of a man. We're not here to embrace and exude pop psychology. We are here, oh God, to stand under the authoritative word of the Lord Most High. So speak to us through your word. Take our minds, oh God, and think through them. Take our hearts and fill with them, Lord Jesus. God, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. Your people have gathered, oh God. Speak, for your servants are listening. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, so I see what's up. Y'all came ready to have church today. Yeah, yeah, this is not playing church. This is being church. Can I get an amen? Hey, you may be seated. Thank you for coming today. We're so, so glad you are here. No time to play. Let's just welcome all of the campuses. Give it up and welcome them. We are one church, many locations. For those of you who are online, we know you're there. I'm getting all your pictures and, you know, you're, you're vacationing, trying to get the summer vacations in. I get it, I get it. But, man, we're just so thrilled that you lock in and celebrate with us for church online. Everybody say rooted. rooted. I did it last week. Probably going to hear it a few more times. I'm telling you, it's a game changer. It is going to be our discipleship-making curriculum, 10-week study. Everybody's not going to be able to do it. The early bird gets the worm. So just know August 25th. August 25th, we're opening up registration. We are only going to be able to take 600 people. 
If we don't catch you on the first time, we'll do it in January. We'll catch you on January. If we don't get you there, we'll catch you for the next semester. Every semester, we're going to be doing Rooted until Jesus comes back. Come on now. And so... Just if, you, if you're anxious and eager to get on in there, just be ready. We would love to have you. My sister Zari already mentioned it. Man, we got a night of worship this Wednesday. Uh, the worship team has titled it, Raise a Hallelujah. Unless you are a Medea fan, and for those of us, it's Raise a Hallelujah. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Hallelujah. That's this Wednesday. If you've never been to a Wednesday night, Night of worship, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. You want to be here at 7 o'clock. Actually, you want to be here at 6.55, ready to lean in and worship God like never before. It is off the chain. You don't want to miss it. That is this Wednesday. Hey, lastly, don't miss next Sunday as we wrap up this series. I got this amazing story that I want to share with you via video. It's an unbelievable life change story, and uh, we're going to be wrapping up this series so uh, we're in a series called Dollars and Cents. Dollars and Cents. And you've probably picked up on the fact that we've kind of done a play on the words. Instead of cents being C-E-N-T-S, dollars and cents, we, we've done dollars and cents, S-E-N-S-E. And what I want to talk to you about a little bit today is that I believe, and I know money's a tricky subject. Okay, let's just go and get that out of the way right now. And by the way, most pastors dread dread talking to churches about money. But I must tell you that I left last week saying to Almighty God, Lord, how did I get to pastor and lead and love such an amazing, beautiful people of God? Because at this church, last week I saw it. I can sense it here today. You know what the topic is about. That's why you're here. I, I saw last week people lean in like never before. It's one of the best Sundays we've had here in a long time. People taking notes, people wanting to hear God's word. But you should know that most pastors dread it. And yet... Most people want their pastors to be biblical preachers. And if you're going to be a biblical preacher, there's no avoiding the subject of money because it comes up over and over and over again in the Scripture. In fact, no other subject is mentioned more in the New Testament other than the kingdom of God. And so we've, we, we're calling this thing dollars and cents. And so even though it might be a dreaded topic, I'm hoping and praying that even if you just step back from it today, and you think about it from a common sense perspective. I'm talking about common sense. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this recently, but common sense is not very common. You have noticed this, right? And, 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 and the truth is, money, though, when you really actually step back and you encounter a preacher today that's not going to try to manipulate you, not going to try to pressure you, just going to speak about it from a biblical perspective. I believe it takes more faith to not honor God and trust the things of this world than it takes actually to honor God with your resources. And so last week, and if you missed it, let me just encourage you, go online, newhopechurch.org or benjikelly.com. You'll find the message there. Check it out. The thrust of last week was this one central theme. God owns it all. Say it with me. God owns it all. Oh, I love it. You are with me today. God owns it all. And at the end of the message, I ended with two questions. Remember? Two questions. And the first question was, can God trust me? 
And I put it in the me language so you could, you could read it with me. Just, just why, why don't you just say this with me as a, as a question to God. Ready, go. Can God, trust me, can he? Because when it comes to money, the Bible teaches very, very clearly that God's looking for those that God can trust. But then I, I flipped that question, and at the end, I asked this question, can I trust God? All right. Can I trust God? Why don't you say that one with me? Can I trust God? Can you? Can you in the area of finances? I love it. I love it. I'm talking to some cheerful givers up in here. And then we had a free fall. Remember the free fall? Y'all ready to catch me? No, no, no. Maybe later. I don't know. Can I trust God? Because at the end of the day, financial stewardship and handling the money that God has given you, regardless of where you are on the socioeconomic spectrum, handling money is a trust issue. And so we're going to go get this today. Open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We got this incredible passage where you're in between uh, two passages of scripture and Jesus unleashes this miracle in John chapter 6. Basically, the, the crowds by this point in time were gathering around Jesus. There are a lot of people around Jesus on this particular day. The Bible says 5,000 men. Ladies, I hate this as much as you do, but back then women weren't even counted. And so scholars tell us when the, when the Bible says 5,000 men, inevitably we know there were women there, women and children and so scholars tell us that we believe there were probably around fifteen to 20,000 people on the hillside that day, 5,000 men. And the people are hungry. Come on, they are, they are hungry. Anybody hungry? Anybody hungry right now? I'm, they, they were what we might call hangry. They were so hungry, they were angry. And the crowd starts getting a little out of control. And then all of a sudden, this little snotty-nosed little, little lad comes walking by, and he's got this long John Silver meal deal. Got some fish and some biscuits, right? And Jesus sees it, and we come across this amazing passage in the New Testament that happened in the life and the ministry of Jesus. If you love the word of God, say bring it. bring it. Will you stand in honor, therefore, of the word of God? When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him. <laughs> Jesus knew the deal. For he had already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. I don't know why John wanted to let you know. The landscaping was pretty good. I don't know if it was centipede or zoiza, but there was some good grass on the hillside. Don't you just love the Bible? <laughs> and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed 
to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the sushi. Glory to God. <laughs> you people like sushi? Yes. Do you not like sushi? <laughs> Raise your hand if you don't like sushi. You people are unsanctified <laughs> and need Jesus in a bad way. Sushi is biblical. It was the meal that Jesus wanted when he came back from the dead. If you don't believe me, go read John 21. I'm sure he wanted some smoked salmon. Glory to God. You need some sushi up in your life. I'm just saying. And, and say, don't, 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 don't even say, well, I just don't I, don't, I can't eat raw fish. Like, I don't even want to try it. Listen, you're talking to a boy from Sumter, South Carolina, where I'm from. We used sushi as bait. You know what I'm saying? Like we fished with that stuff. And now I eat that stuff. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Where, where was I? I think I'm going to get sushi for lunch today. I, it's, it's done. I, I seal it in the name of Jesus. Jesus had the people sit down. There was plenty of grass. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed those, seated as much as they wanted, did the same with the sushi. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Don't miss this, church. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled. Filled what? How many disciples were there? Jesus always takes care of his people. As his people lay down their lives for others, Jesus always has the backs of his people. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Oh God, would you bless the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. So what I want to talk to you about today, again, just from a common sense perspective, there are days when we lean heavily into faith. I want to lean heavily today into common sense. And I believe that if you will just put down your defenses... Realize there might be some tension in the room today. There's always tension when we talk about money. If you'll just take a deep breath and realize I love you and I'm not going to pressure you and hound you and all that kind of stuff. If you'll just step back and objectively think about how you handle your finances and what scripture teaches and what so many of us have experienced, I believe you might just make a move towards honoring God with your finances, if you haven't already. I know so many of you do. So I want to talk to you about what happens when we truly give. What happens? Here's the first one. Take out your teaching notes, grab that pen in front of you, and or lean in and write some of this down. When we give, we honor God. When we give, we do what, church? We honor God. The little boy could have said, you know, Jesus, nah, keep your hands off of my fish and my loaves. I mean, he was a kid. How many of you have kids? Show of hands. Are your kids like my kids? Like when you go asking for your food from your kids, they are like, get away from me. And I'm like, who do you think you are? I bought the food for you, boy. I brought you into this world. I will take you out, and then I will eat your food. Like, like, like when we go out for dinner, you know, you got leftovers. We're, we're, we're a big leftover family. You know, we'll order, and then we take leftovers home. In my family, 
Dude, leftovers get put in the refrigerator, and before they get put in the refrigerator, either it's done with a permanent marker at the house, or I see them sometimes in the restaurant, especially if it's a styrofoam container. They'll take their knife, and they'll write on top of it. Do not touch, or you shall die. I mean, it's hardcore in my family. But, but the kid, the kid could have said, no, nah, Jesus, you, you figure it out on your own. This is my sushi. This is my bread. Don't touch it. But no, no, no. The little kid, come on, he honored God. He honored God. And God then unfolded one of the most amazing miracles in all of Scripture. Last week, uh, just in passing, I don't even think it was in my notes, I talked about first fruits. Remember this? I was amazed at how many of you stopped me and wanted to talk about that. Many of you, you were raised and you were taught first fruit giving and good for you. Others of you, it was a new concept, this whole concept of first fruits. Exodus 23, 19 says this. Why don't you read it out loud with me really strong? Ready? Go. Bring the of the of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Bring the what? Best of the first fruits of your soil. Again, as we talked about last week, tithing in the Old Testament was an agricultural concept. We see it turn more into a monetary concept in the New Testament. But the Bible says bring the best, not just the first fruits, but the best of the first fruits. And as some of you asked me about that last week, I realized I needed to actually get you a little more information. So I did a word study on first fruits. Did you know that the word first fruits, again, you want to write this stuff down. These are some good nuggets for you. The word first fruits is mentioned in the Bible 31 times in the NIV, the New International Version. 31 times. This is not just something that we just grab, right? It's throughout Scripture. It's mentioned 30 times in the King Jimmy, King James Version, by the way. I haven't said this in a while. I know some of you were raised on the King James Version. I hate to break it to you. Jesus didn't speak King James. <laughs> Jesus did not speak King James. Some people are taught that they, they have to use the King James. It's just a translation. 33 times in the ESV, the English Standard Version. All these times throughout Scripture, we see this concept of first fruits. I got a question for you. Come on, serious question. How many times do you think the word last fruits is in the Bible? Zero. In all translations, we don't find it one time. This whole concept that God's people are to honor God with the best of the first. Say that with me best of the first. One more time best of the first. We see this in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves, what's those next three words? Treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Read this next part with me. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is why we see teaching on money in the scriptures so much. Because God knew that it, it, it captures our heart. 
God knew that if he could get a woman or a man to honor God with their finances first, then he's truly got a fully devoted follower on his hands. I mean, think about this. Why do we invest so much money in our children? Pastor Fuller's over here. He's, he's almost got as many children as I do. He's got four. I win. He says, are you, are you done, brother? <laughs> Jackie says, absolutely. <laughs> Why do you think we invest so much money in our children? Seriously. Because they have our hearts. They have our hearts, right? You, you, don't, you don't blink an eye at spending money on your children. Think about this. Why do you think when we invest money into a business, many of you start up your businesses or you're running your own business, why do we invest money into our business? Because our business has our heart. And when we put our money into our business, we are more connected to our business. Have you ever thought about this? How many of you are investors in the stock market? I would like to see a show of hands. Oh, my hands are popping up. Yeah, you invest in the stock market. When you buy a stock, what happens? You are immediately what? Connected to that stock. You immediately watch that stock even more. When I was in seminary at Duke, I wasn't, I wasn't taught as a kid financial wisdom or guidance. And so I came to Duke and um, I needed some office supplies. And I went to an uh, office supply store. I went to a place called Office Max. <laughs> Y'all remember them? And I walked in as a naive 22-year-old, and I'm like, this is awesome. People need office supplies, and this store is so cool, and it's got a red sign, and there are lots of people in here, and I was getting some scholarships, and I decided to invest some money in Office Max. <laughs> Dumbest decision I've ever made. <laughs> I watched Office Max like a hawk, but guess what? Office Max went down. And that was my last experience in buying stocks. <laughs> but when you give to something, it connects your heart. Now, don't miss this. You'll see it on the screens. Why don't you read it out loud with me? When you give to God's work, it automatically connects your heart to God's work. When you give financially, you start to care about the things of God more deeply. You start to care about the church more deeply. You start to care about our witness more deeply. It's why we've been saying around here in the last couple of months, automate the important. Say that with me. Automate the important. Nobody carries cash anymore. Nobody carries checks anymore. Automate the important. You go online you sign up for online giving, you do the math, you click reoccurring giving, it is the safest, most secure, reliable way to give. And as you do that, you become deeply, deeply, deeply connected to the church and Jesus' work in the world. Can I get an amen? Number two, write it in. When we give, we bless others. When we give, we do what, church? We bless others. I don't have to tell any of you, we live in a day and age where the world seems to be spiraling out of control. I don't have to convince any of you that the world is in desperate need of hope. Agreed? 
I don't have to convince any of you, I don't think. Some of you might not fully believe this yet. Hang around us long enough and get into the Word long enough and let God change your life, and you will eventually believe, believe this. But the truth is, here's the deal. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Amen? He is the hope of the world. There, there is no hope outside of Jesus. And so, I don't know if you're feeling what I'm feeling, but to be real honest with you, I kind of got a heavy heart today. And you've probably figured this out about me. I don't come in here every Sunday, as some churches do, and you might have wondered why I don't, but I don't come in here every Sunday talking about the tragedies of the world. I think church should be a place that lifts our spirits, amen? I believe life will beat us up if we're not careful. Agreed? But you probably saw what happened yesterday. And if you didn't, I hate to break it to you in church. I don't do this kind of stuff often, but... I'm hanging out with my family yesterday, and bam, I see, I see this mass shooting uh, go down in El Paso, Texas, and then before I know it, I'm looking online at that and realize there was another mass shooting in Dayton, Ohio, two yesterday. This world is in desperate need of hope. And Jesus Christ is the only true everlasting hope of the world. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know what you think when you see things like this go down. I don't know if you get discouraged. I don't know if you get sad. I don't know. I, I get all those things, by the way. But here's where I hope I come out at the end of the day, and I tend to come out at the end of the day. The tragedies of this world, the desperateness of this world actually inspires me to do more and be in the church and be, be a part of a movement that lifts high the gospel of Jesus Christ so that more and more people can experience the hope and the forgiveness and the peace and the passion and the purpose that comes from Jesus. It inspires me to do more. It inspires me to give my resources to the hope of the world, the church of Jesus Christ. And I think, I think I want to say something else. Particularly as it relates to the shooting in El Paso. If you read about it, you know what actually went down. And I want to say, I want to say to our brown-skinned people, you are loved and you are welcome in this church and we thank God for you. Back to the loaves and the first fruits. By, by giving up his lunch of five loaves and two fish, the boy honored Jesus. He, he was connected immediately to the miracle of Almighty God, and he got to experience that. Now, just pause and think for a moment. As you take your resources, again, just talking about it from a, a common sense perspective, as you, as an individual, as I, honor God with a tithe, I'm connected to every work and every miracle that God is performing in this church at all of the zip codes of all of our campuses domestically and internationally. When you give to the church, like this little boy was connected to that miracle of feeding all of those folks, you're connected. You are a part of 
of seeing lives that are changed throughout the world through the movement known as New Hope Church. You're right, sister. Hallelujah. That's something to get excited about. Jesus, when he's teaching on the tithe, and again, some people mistakenly say, well, isn't that just an Old Testament concept? Oh, no, dear sir. Jesus mentions the tithe in Matthew 23, 23. And the scripture says this. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Hello, you hypocrites. Jesus is not pulling any punches. You hypocrites. You give a tithe, a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, which are, Jesus says, justice. Everybody say justice. justice. Mercy. Everybody say mercy. mercy. Faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Yes. Jesus says, you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. In other words, yes, you should practice justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Just because you tithe, you can't neglect those things. But as you do those things, Jesus says, don't you dare neglect the tithe. Some of you are like, what's a tithe? Maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe you never heard this stuff taught before. The tithe, according to Webster.com, and it's a good definition, biblically speaking, the word is apodicato. The tenth part of agricultural produce or personal income set apart as an offering to God. So a tithe is a what, church? It's a tenth. This is the way, it's common sense. Remember, just think, just think common sense with me today. This is the way in which Jesus set up his church to be funded and to be the light of the world, hope and hopelessness. The church Get ready, this is gonna knock some of you off your feet. The church was never intended to be funded through bake sales. I know, hard to believe. Oh, you're not gonna believe this too. The church was never intended to be funded through car washes. Now, if you see a church washing cars, and you see, you've, we've all seen it, it's okay to stop and get your car washed, but I need to declare a word of the Lord to you. If you do that, please don't be a tightwad and drop a dollar into the little kid's basket for washing your car. Come on, church. <laughs> but my point is those weren't the ways in which the scripture teaches the church is funded. The church is funded, the mission of the world, to the gospel going out to the world, is through the tithe. It's through blessing God's people to be God's messengers, to get God's message of grace out into the world. So again, just like the little kid was forever connected to this miracle, when you give to this church, you know that you are a part of every child in every hope town at every campus hearing the gospel message of Jesus Christ, being taught the scriptures. They're over there singing songs right now, I'm sure. They're hearing the message. They're reading Bible stories because men and women are serving the children of this church. Your children, right? You're connected to that. Can we just honor and thank our children's ministry people? All of you who serve the children of this church. 
When you tithe to this church, every student in every zip code at every campus, domestically and internationally, you're connected to the goodness and the gospel being preached and experienced in the lives of those students. Young adults, can I hear my young adults over here? As God moves in our young adult ministry, you are connected with that when you honor God with the tithe. Can we thank our student and young adult people who serve? I, I, could, I could go on and on. Every time a marriage is saved, every time an addiction is broken, every time someone finds peace and purpose and passion, Every time a Christ follower in and through New Hope goes into the workplace and exalts Christ and gives witness to Christ, every time we feed a hungry person, every time we go to on mission trips into foreign lands, if you tied to this church, don't miss this, you are a part of those miracles. Common sense. Who would not want to be involved in those things? Unbelievable. Lastly, when we give, when we give, when we give, we are blessed. When we give what, church? When we give, we are blessed. Again, common sense. This is a teaching of Scripture that some of you shy way far away from because you don't want to have anything to do with the prosperity gospel. You've heard of this, right? Prosperity gospels. TV evangelists typically. Not always. Big, big blue hair. <laughs> Preaching on TV. Telling you if you send them your money. Ha! <laughs> when, you, when you send them, you need to go to your mailbox every day. Ha! And as you go to your mailbox, you will eventually get a sweat cloth. Ha! And as you get that sweat cloth, you wipe it on your head, which I need a little bit of right now. You wipe that sweat cloth and you just get ready because there's going to be a windfall of money that's going to come your way. Have you ever thought about this? If you fall into that theology and that trap, then you are giving just to get more money and therefore money becomes your idol and you are caught up in idolatry. I am not, not, not a prosperity gospel preacher. However, some of us, I put myself in this camp, we, we, we've seen that and we're like, oh no, we don't, want to do, we don't have anything to do with that. So we back away from that. And in so backing away from it, or should I say in backing away so far from it, we neglect the truth and the teachings of Scripture that one cannot deny that as you honor God with your finances, you are blessed in return. To which some of you are saying, all right, well, give me some scripture. All right. Look at this. Luke 6, 38. Get a visual of this. Such a great verse of scripture. Why don't we read it out loud together? Luke 6, 38. Go, church. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Yeah. Don't turn money into an idol. We don't give to get. But don't negate the fact that Jesus says, give and what, church? 
it will be given to you. A good measure, what? Pressed down, shaken together. Get a, get a visual of this. Running over. Who wants some blessings running over in your life? Running over in your life. Pour it into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Who doesn't want a little of that, right? Sometimes the blessing is money. Sometimes the blessing is good health. Sometimes the blessing is a rock-solid marriage. Sometimes the blessing is having kids that grow up and call you blessed and live out your legacy and your destiny in Christ once you are gone. The blessings are multifaceted, but don't miss the fact that God blesses those who give. We mentioned this passage last week. It's worth going back to for just a moment. It's Malachi 3. Malachi 3. It's all about the tithe. Won't you read it out loud with me? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. So stop right there. Bring the what? Whole tithe. The whole tithe, apodicato. This is scripture. Don't get mad at me. I, I, I don't write the, the, the message. I just deliver the mail. The Bible says bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Watch this. That there may be food in my house. I talked about that last week. If there's food in this house, then delightfully and joyfully become a cheerful giver. Test me. The only place in Scripture, the only place in Scripture where God says, test me. Think about that. Test me in this. Let's continue. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much, so much what, church? Blessing that you will not have enough room for it. There's that blessing again. Now, this is a part of the verse that many pastors neglect. And on behalf of all of us, I'm sorry, but this is so good. Verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Now stop right there. What we don't teach enough of is that when you get this one right, again, who would not want to do this? When you get your financial house in order according to God's principles, the scripture teaches that God will prevent the devourer from devouring your stuff. Has anybody ever felt like you've been under attack with your stuff? Anybody ever had some money problems up in the house? What, what the scripture is teaching is that if you put God first, that, that God's power will prevent the enemy from devouring your life. Now, there is an enemy and we don't like to talk about this enough. We, we know there's a good force in the world, God. There's a bad force in the world, Satan. And the Bible says that Satan's chief end is to kill, steal, and destroy your life. I know that's not good news, but that's what Scripture teaches. He wants to kill your dreams and your hopes. He wants to destroy your future. 
He wants to kill, steal, and destroy the things in your life that you're deeply desiring. The scripture teaches that something happens when a woman or a man or a child or a student puts God first in the financial realm that God then prevents the devourer from devouring your life and your stuff. That's good news, church. That's good news. And then the last part, verse 12. And all the nations will what? Call you blessed. All the nations will call you blessed. Do you think the little kid doubted God's ability to multiply that day? I think he probably did. Do you think the little kid understood the extent to which God's favor could fall on his life for the rest of his life if he stayed faithful? Probably. What about you? Do you believe? Can you find it inside of your heart to muster up the courage and the faith to believe? that God will be true to his word and bless your life if you get this one area of your life shored up and faithful. Jesus says, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will run over in your life. He'll bless you. Malachi says, the Lord Almighty says, test me in this. In front of you at all of our campuses, there is a card. And if you're watching online, you can go to our website and see this. There's a card in front of you. It's the tithe test. I'm not going to spend much time on it. We did it last week. 51 people committed to the tithe test last week. Way to go, church. Way to to congratulate them. Pray for them. 51 people said, you know what? I'm going to honor God with the tithe. And here's what the tithe test is. It's a little blue card. It's in front of all of you. The tithe test is basically you commit to tithing for three months, three months. And if after three months you have not experienced the blessings of God in your life and you decide you want your money back, you call the church office or you email the finance department. I'm not in it. That's not, I don't get involved in that. And this church will return 100% every dollar you have ever given to this church. Test him. Test him. I think I want to take the remaining time and get real transparent with you. Is that okay? Uh, like, like there's any Sunday that I'm not transparent. I know, but this one's different. I want to, um, and, I, and I don't know if I'll be able to adequately articulate what I'm trying to say to you, but I'll I'll give it a try. I I became a Christian at the age of 18. Y'all know my story, so I'm not gonna get into any of that. I just wanna talk to you about this whole money thing. I became a Christian at the age of 18, and then by the time I was 19 and a half, I was hired at a church as a student pastor. And I had heard messages like this today, and um, I'm not proud to say to you that I I didn't do it. I didn't tithe. I was not faithful. 
I would drop a five spot in here, there, or 10, or 20, and I'd just, you know, just kind of give God a nod. I wasn't giving any first fruits. I wasn't giving anywhere near the tithe. I was giving what so many of us give, and that's the leftovers. Not proud of that at all. Then I got hired at the church, and I still was not tithing. How slack is that? And some people say to me sometimes, why do you tithe? Why, uh, pastor shouldn't tithe. You work for the church. Why? No, no, no. I disagree, sir. I believe pastors should lead the way in generosity. But I wasn't doing it at this moment. And at the age of 21 years old, while I was a student pastor at that church, my pastor, Pastor Steve Sugar, great, great pulpiteer, preacher, he preached a message titled, Step Up to Tithing. Step Up to Tithing. And in this message, he showed and he put it in the bulletin. It was like a diagram in the bulletin. It was a grid and a table. I couldn't find it. I wanted to try to find it in my notes. I couldn't find it. So I, I asked the one and only Pastor Dave Book out if he could help me out. And he took it to a whole nother level. And I'm going to show you that in a moment. But in the bulletin, it was like, it showed you your salary. And then it showed you, because I'm a visual learner. Then it showed you what a full whole tithe would be. Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe. And then, then Pastor Steve did something interesting. He showed a half tithe. A half tithe. And his point was, I realized for some of you to go from giving nothing or some leftovers to giving the whole tithe might seem insurmountable, might be too much of a leap. So Pastor Steve showed us this grid and said, why don't you give a half tithe? With the understanding that within six months, you're gonna move to a whole tithe. And something happened in me that day, and I committed on the spot to start honoring God, not with the half tithe, but I went ahead and did the whole thing. But I thought the concept of doing a half was interesting. I committed to honoring God with the tithe. Now, this is where I don't know if I can adequately articulate to you what, I'm, what I feel in my heart. But since I was 21 years old, I've taken my salary. I figured out the tithe. And as a family, we give the tithe right off the bat. Very first thing, we honor God with the tithe. Now, now here, here's what I want to say to you. God has been so good to me. God has blessed my life. I know you don't know all the blessings in my life, but listen, you're looking at a blessed man. God has blessed me emotionally, like I came from some jacked up stuff, as you guys know. And God, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived. I'm a work in progress. But let me tell you something. I am not where I used to be. Thanks be to God. God, God has blessed me emotionally. God has blessed me relationally. I have some of the, the most dear friends on the planet. I get to serve and love you. I believe one of the most faithful, beautiful churches on the planet. God's blessed me relationally. As of now, I mean, God's blessed me physically. Thanks be to God. I mean, you never know when something's gonna hit you, right? But like, I'm blessed physically. I'm blessed spiritually. I'm blessed financially. I am a blessed human being. Now listen, listen, here's my point. And don't, don't misread any of that. I didn't say I was perfect. No, 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 I'm a, uh, 
I got a long way to go, but I'm blessed. Now watch this. I believe in the core of my being. I'm talking deep in my soul. I believe that all the blessings in my life are traced back in some way, shape, or form to that day when I was 21 years old on a Sunday, and I said, God, from this day forward. As you bless me, I will honor you right off the top with a tithe. I believe all of the blessings in my life go back to that moment. And as I look back on it now, I'm thinking, why didn't I start when I first became a Christian? And so the question for you today is, do you want to live a blessed life? I know you do. That's why you're here. One of the key steps of obedience, one of the key principles of discipleship that unlocks the door, if you will, that flings open the floodgates of heaven and blesses your life is when you decide I'm done playing games. I'm actually and literally gonna honor God with the tithe all the days of my life. And I hope and I pray you will do exactly that. So Pastor Dave worked up a grid or two. I'm not gonna insult your intelligence but just stick with me here for just a moment. It's a, it's a simple grid, far better than the one I looked at in the bulletin that day. If, if you make $10,000 a year, some of you are here, you're in college or whatever the case may be, you make $10,000 a year. The half tithe is what? You see, it's $500. The whole tithe is 1,000. You simply figure out the math, Divide it by 12 if you give monthly. Divide it by 52 if you give weekly. Let me move really quick here. You make twenty-five or $20,000, you see the tithe is 2000 Can you step up to tithe? Maybe you don't think you can do the whole tithe. Why don't you do what Pastor Steve encouraged that day? Commit to a half tithe and commit that in 2020, you're gonna move to the full tithe. Some of you are like, I make a lot more than that, man. Come on, get, get, get some real numbers on the screen, all right? 40K, 40K. You make $40,000. Whole tithe, $4,000. Bam, to the Lord, his work in the world. Or you do the half tithe. 80K, 8,000 tithe, half tithe, $4,000. It's that simple. It's just doing the math. Whatever your salary is, your income stream, Doing the math, figuring it out, setting it up, being done with it, and knowing that you are blessing God and knowing that God will bless you. Others of you, I haven't even got near what you earn. By the way, do you know this? Do you know that the more a person makes, the harder it is to give? We think the opposite. Many of you, I had a, I had a sister grab me last Sunday. She told me prophetically, I'm going to win the lottery. Told me right on the patio. I'm going to win the lottery. And when I do, I'm going to tie it to this church. I said, go get them, sister. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. 
Like, I didn't want to be doubter, but like, that's what she said to me. But in that thinking was this notion, was this concept that many of you fall into. You're, you're at this earning capacity and you think that if you can make more, then you'll tithe. One day I'll tithe. Do you know that studies show us over and over and over, the more a person makes, the less likely they are to tithe? More people that make lower income tend to be more faithful financially. Reminds me of my friend. He's a pastor, a good friend of mine. He had a brother in his church. He's, he's like me. He's been at one church for a while now. And um, so when you're at a church for a while, you get to see people grow. Well, this, this dude's in his church was kind of a friend of his. The brother came to the church, and the brother was making $34,000 when he came to the church, 34K. And he was tithing. But since the pastor stayed there a while, the pastor got to see him get promotion after promotion after promotion until eventually he was at the, the higher end of the earning capacity in the organization that he was in, and the brother was making $300,000. In a period of 10 years, he went from $34,000 to $300,000. Pretty good advancement, wouldn't you say? So he, he sets up an appointment with the pastor, his friend, and starts, they just kind of having coffee, they're just chilling, and, and then finally he goes, Pastor, the reason I really wanted to talk to you is, man, when I used to make $34,000, it, so, it was so much easier to tithe. But now, as you know, Pastor, I, man, I'm bringing in some bang. And I don't, I, it, man, you, I'm supposed to tithe $30,000? Are you kidding me, Pastor? Pastor said, I, this true story, Pastor said, I, know, I, I, can tell, I can tell you're upset about this. And I'm sorry. Why don't we pray about it? He goes, okay, pr pray for me, Pastor, pray for me. My friend tells me he put, he put his hand on his shoulder and he prayed, oh, Lord God, Thank you for my friend. And God, it's obviously hard for him to tithe on $300,000 a year. So God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would reduce his salary <laughs> back to $34,000 in the name of Jesus. Amen. Pastor said he never heard the brother complain again. <laughs> so for those of you who are like, you're way up there on the income spectrum. You make $250,000, quarter million dollars. The tithe is real simple. It's $25,000. You're like, how can I do that? Well, why don't you, dear ma'am or dear sir, why don't you step up to tithing? And maybe commit to a half tithe. Watch God bless your life. And within six months, you'll be ready to make the leap to the whole tithe. Or you see 100K there. Some of you are here, you make $500,000 a year. There's your tithe. There's your half tithe. Some of you are here, your CEOs are better. You, you, you make a million dollars a year. You see the tithe. I would encourage you to do like we did last week and fall into the arms of God and trust him. If you weren't here, you missed a trust fall. It's pretty cool. If you weren't here, maybe you should see one. I need, I need some guys, man. I need, I need some volunteers. I need, Kevin Seals, will you help me? Come here, brother. I need you to help me. I got a brother here. I need a few sisters. I got Scott. Y'all stay. I, we got it, guys. I need to get a few sisters. I got, I got to be, I need a few, I need a few ladies. You, awesome. I need one more. Anybody else here? Come, come, will you help me? 
Come help me right here. No, no, I got, I got it right here. I got to see. You, you stay seated, brother, because you are the wingman. If I fall and flip, you sit down, sit down. If I fall and flip over, move that briefcase. If I, brother, got a briefcase, he's all laid out here. You're going to stay a while, aren't you, brother? But, hey, if I fall and flip, it's on you. You catch me. But, um, hey, we got baptism today. And maybe today, as part of your commitment to honor God financially, Maybe you get baptized as your public profession of faith because we're going to actually take you and we're going to dunk you back into the waters of baptism just like I'm about to fall back into these folks. It's very similar to baptism. I'm falling back. I invite you to fall back into the waters of baptism. Maybe you've never had a significant baptism. Let today be your public profession of faith. But more importantly than anything... I just kind of want to do a trust fall, so I, 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 kinda, I, I missed it last week. I didn't get to do it. But more importantly than anything, why don't you just take the dive? Like, why don't you quit playing games with God? From a common sense perspective, who would not want to honor God with a tithe? Dave contacted me yesterday. He was making that graph, the grid I just showed you. He goes, man, can I make it untrue to scale? He goes, because if I make it true to scale, the tithe is just a slither. He goes, I don't think people are going to be able to see it on the screens. I said, no, don't touch it. Leave it just like that. Let it make a point. God's given you everything. All he asked you to do, all he asked me to do is bring 10% to the Lord. Who would not want to honor God with that? And in doing so, know that through that, hey, he blesses others. Can I get an amen? And through that, you got it. He blesses me, sister. He blesses me. Y'all think these people are trustworthy? I don't know. Give them, they, they want some love. Give them some love. All right. Y'all show me how y'all going to catch me. Like, how y'all going to do this? Yeah, I wouldn't. You can lock hands. Maybe that's good for the back part. But others of you should. Why? Here I am trying to tell them how to catch me. I just need to trust them. I just need to trust them. All right. Y'all get ready. Hey, hey, hey. If I don't make it. If I don't make it. I love you. Don't worry about me. I'm in heaven. I will see you on the flip side. Amy Lynn will probably invite you over to the house. Go eat potato salad in honor of me and know that I am A-okay. Cool? Y'all are a motley looking crew, man. Church, your job is to say one, two, three, trust fall. And when you say that, I'm going to fall. And then y'all don't have to put me back up here. Last time, last celebration, I wanted them to put me on the floor, and they were trying to throw me back up on the stage. <laughs> it was a trip, dude. And for a moment here, we had a little tug of war. So finally I said, put me down. <laughs> True story. You missed it. I want to be on the floor when this is over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> No, 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 
I mean, I want, I, I know I said it. I mean, I, I want you to stand me on the floor. <laughs> They're like, all right. He wants to be on the floor. We can handle that. Hey, catch me, people. Scott, Scott's got me. Kevin's got me. I guess you people got me. Church, count. I don't, I don't know what happened there. Did you see that? I, 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 like, I was inverted, man. The ladies on the end, I, did y'all have me? Because, dude, I felt like my head about touched the ground. Hey, 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 hey. All joking aside. What are you waiting for? Some of you heard this your whole life. And you just keep saying, ah, nah. Why don't you do what I did when I was 21 years old? Why don't you just take God at his word? Why don't you just trust him? Imagine this. You'll never have to worry about it again. You'll be one of those, and you can tell the ones in the crowd. You'll be one of those when a preacher gets up to talk about money. You're like, amen. Bring it. <laughs> you know? So why don't, why don't you just trust him? And go online, set it up, and be done with it. Because God is faithful. I just want, let me just testify to you. God is faithful. You can't outgive God. He is faithful. To which some of you say, I don't believe it. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right. Then test him. Test him. Just a moment. We're going to sing that song that our team wrote, by the way. They wrote this when I came out with my, my book. They wrote a song titled Faithful. It's all about the faithfulness of God. Let us sing it. And as we sing it, let us commit to it. Go from this place. Get baptized or watch people get baptized. But let us know that God is faithful. Say that with me. God is faithful. One more time. God is faithful. Amen.